growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. When you're looking for God's will and wanting to pray God's will, uh, this question sometimes might come to mind. Why does it seem that God does not answer some prayers that we absolutely know are in His will? Do you ever struggle with prayer? I'm not referring so much to the discipline of praying, but to an understanding of how, when, and why God answers prayers. If I'm praying something that I absolutely know is in His will because it's revealed in His Word, it's revealed uh, in my time with Him, however God speaks to you, it will never conflict with what He's already spoken in here. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we're once again in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15 in our series, The Am I Series, exploring what John teaches about what a true follower of Jesus looks like. For the last two weeks, Pastor Clay has been teaching us from this powerful and important passage on prayer. The Apostle John assures us that if we're praying something that is in God's will, then we know that God hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we also know that we have what we ask for. Now that's a powerful promise to be sure. So that that kind of makes it important for us to know what God's will is. But what happens when you believe that you're praying something that is in God's will, but you don't see anything happening? That's probably a scenario we can all relate to. And in today's message, Pastor Clay is going to be exploring that very subject. We're glad you've joined us today. Now let's get started. Y'all probably think I'm never going to get off verses 14 and 15 of 1 John chapter 5. But there is a lot to chew on in First John, in all of First John. If you've been in this series, we're walking through this series called the Am I question mark series. And I'll say it again. I've been saying it. I'll keep saying it that if you've been in this series, it should be obvious to you by now that John in this letter that he wrote to the church that we know as First John as the book of First John, it should be apparent to virtually anybody that's been in the series or has been reading the book of First John, and it's not a long book, five chapters as we know it, but it should be pretty apparent to pretty much everybody that John is hammering this idea that if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, if this is real, if this is the real deal for me, if I really am not just head knowledge, not just, you know, intellectually ascend sending to the idea that God exists, but if I'm really in this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then it cannot help but affect my life. It impacts my life, my actions, my attitude, uh, my love toward other people, and that's a big, that's a big topic for John, right? Uh, and, and so we've seen that over and over and over and over again. And so as John draws to the end of this letter, he, he under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he throws this idea in here about prayer. And I want to read it to you again. And by the way, it's not uncommon as a writer. He's wrapping up a letter. He's, he's, he's writing some things that he, that he knows are important and that matter to him. He cares about these people. He loves these people he's writing to. He may not have known that we someday would be reading these letters and they would have the same impact on our lives. But it nevertheless uh, is true that he, that he loves the people that he is writing to. And it is because of his desire and God's desire to see us get this thing and to understand what it means to move forward in Christ Jesus, uh, that he writes this and he stresses this idea about prayer. So First John chapter 5, you can open your Bibles there. The text is up on the screen as well. Let me say this. The f- two weeks ago, we really kind of looked more at that text per se, 14 and 15. I'm going to read it again in a second. Last week, we looked more at the application of 14 and 15 
and some specific things. I'll, I'll review that in just a second. And then this week we're, we're hammering application again. And so it may not look as, as maybe the way I would traditionally kind of, I'm really focusing on the text and, and looking at the text today. Again, like last week, it's more about looking at the application for my life. The so, what is it? I call it the so what principle. What does any of this matter? How do I apply it to my life? Right? Right? Come on. I'm, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know it's cold. I know we're kind of small in numbers today, but it's all right. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Jumping in. Thank you, Ernie. I'm sorry. I, apparently Scott's was louder than, than yours. But uh, if you want to be encouraging to me, you got to speak up. You know, you just got to, I'm like old, right? And I can't, what? what? I don't know. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. First John chapter 5, uh, verse 14 and 15. Again, I know we're jumping in the middle of the chapter, but it, it's kind of self-contained in here. This is the confidence which we have before him. So in verse 13, he said, man, it's that culmination. He says, these things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life. And then, so then verse 14, and assuming, you know, if you have that, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Father God, today, again, we're so grateful that we can be here. Thank you for every person who's here. God, speak to each one of us through the power of your word and accomplish your purposes. Give us clarity uh, to clearly communicate and clarity to clearly receive uh, what your, your word has to say and how it makes application. God, as I often pray, may we walk out of here today saying it was good uh, to be in the house of the Lord, not only to worship our God who is worthy, but to receive uh, what he would say to us for encouragement or conviction or correction or uh, whatever uh, we might need in our life for that particular time. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Ready? This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have requests which we have asked from him. So, for the third week in a row, the BP squared then, the big picture biblical principle for verse 14 and 15 is, why don't y'all say it to me? Good job, good job. It was almost like y'all were reading that or something. It was, I'm sure you had it, had it memorized. God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive his will. That, in essence, is what John throws in there in verses 14 and 15. If we pray according to his will, know what he says? So if we'll accept that, if we'll receive God's will, if we'll pray according to his will, we know that he, he hears that, he receives that. And if we know that he hears it or receives it, then we know that whatever we ask, verse 14, in his will, it will be given to us, okay? So that was the BP squared, has been for the last uh, three weeks. If, uh, if God will willingly receive our prayers when we willingly receive God's will. So we walked through the, uh, that two weeks ago, and then last week we made some application about that and exactly what that means. And some of the things that we said about that uh, look like this, that we need to willingly seek to know his will. And we talked about that. What does it mean to know his will? Uh, we're going to come back to some of that today in some more application, but it's willingly seek to know his will. And we broke down some different, you know, what are, what is God's will? We broke down some of that, you know, his, his, his permanently revealed will is 
presently, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can go back and listen to that message. We talked about willingly seeking to live his will. And that statement that I made last week, something to the effect of, we, we need not have any expectation that God will reveal more of his will to us if we're not already living in the will that he has revealed to us, okay? Through his word, through as, as we spend time with him in prayer and learning what that means and how that happens. But, uh, but we have to be willing to say, God, all right, I, I don't know if I understand it or like it or what, but I'm, I'm going to live your will for my life. That, that's what I, I want to do. And then third thing we said was willing to seek, willingly seek to pray his will. That not my will, but your will be done. So we explored that idea just a little bit last week, and now I'm going to dive back into it because I finished last week. I don't know if I brought, had Tyler bring it up on the screen, but I know that I, I threw this out there. And, and it's this idea. I'm going to start with this question today, and then we're going to, we're going to, why does it seem that God does not answer some prayers that we believe are in his will? That's the $64,000 question, isn't it? It's probably more than 64000 That was an old TV show for those of y'all that are young. Years ago, there was a TV show called The $64,000 Question, which was a lot of money back then. <laughs> anyway, why does it seem that God does not answer some prayers that we believe are in his will? Now, part of the answer to that question we understand is that we may not fully comprehend what his will is. I'm going to talk some more about that, but... Job, for example, Job, uh, if you've read the book of Job in the Old Testament, you know that, that Job struggled with understanding why he was going through what he was having to go through. Why was he suffering, particularly in, the, in light of the fact that he had done nothing to cause the suffering, which remember is what his buddies started saying once they, they, were, they were quiet for a long time. They were, good, they were good friends for a while, but then they, as they said, Job, <laughs> Look at you, dude. You have, you have messed up. You've done something to offend God. There's no way God would put you through all this if you hadn't done something to offend him. It's that idea that if, so, well, if something bad happens to that person, they must have done something bad. It's nonsense. But anyway, um, Job knew he hadn't done anything. He wasn't claiming to be sinless, but he knew that he hadn't done anything to bring this calamity upon his life. And so uh, he, he doesn't understand. He struggled with the idea of understand. We know that part of the answer to that, to Job's question, at least part of the answer to Job's question, and perhaps yours, are the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says, for this reason we never become discouraged. Can I, can I just say this to you before I read the rest of it? I don't believe that uh, Paul is overplaying his hand here. Uh, I, I think he really means that. I, I think he had learned this key, this secret to never becoming discouraged. Didn't mean he didn't have his struggles or he didn't, but he says, he says, for this reason, we never become discouraged. Even though our physical being, the uh, numeric standard says our physical body is gradually decaying. And it is, right? Yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day because the power of God has redeemed us, his spirit that dwells in us. And so that, that it doesn't decay. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't wear down. It doesn't get sickness or disease or the, not, not the spirit, right? What's this? In this small and temporary trouble that we suffer, and if you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, let me just say, that he is downplaying his hand when he says that. Because we know that very few people have probably suffered for the cause of Christ more than the Apostle Paul. Beatings, whippings, shipwrecks, imprisonments, uh, stoning, thank you, eventually uh, beheading. So, so he, 
But you see what he's doing? He's making this comparison. This small and temporary trouble that we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory much greater than the trouble. For we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. Why? What can be seen lasts only for a time. But what cannot be seen lasts how long? Forever. Forever. So at least part of the answer to Paul and our question in when, when suffering comes our way... And listen, this is, this is not necessarily a message about suffering, but because suffering and pain and hurt and heartache and disappointment and sickness and, and job loss, and because those things are, are so much a part of our life oftentimes, they then therefore become such a part of our prayer life as well. And since they're such an important part of our prayer life, then it's important to, to stress this to you uh, even as we're starting this morning. It's not necessarily a message about suffering, but in the midst of the suffering... What God is saying to us through the Apostle Paul is that you may be praying and you do, but listen, in the midst of all this this stuff, in the midst of the darkness and the uncertainty and and the scariness of the moment, there's two things the Apostle Paul essentially says that you and I need to keep in mind, profitable and perishable, profitable and perishable. Paul essentially is saying, hey, hey, guys, I I know it stinks. I know it's hard. I know you don't like it. I I know you you wish that anything else was happening to you uh, except this. But can I say this? Can I just remind you of this? this? That this small trouble that we're going through is actually working for our good. It's working some some eternal good in our existence. Something about the suffering and trials and tribulations of this life that have some profit for us in eternity. I can't tell you what that is. I don't think anybody can. Tell you exactly what that looks like or what all that will be like. Well, you get six more bars of gold or something. No, no. So I can't tell you exactly what that looks like, but what I can tell you is what he says. He says it's working for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs the trouble that we're experiencing right now. Our pain, our temporary pain is profitable, which is the second part of it. It's temporary. It's perishable. Paul says, it is going away. Keep it in mind, folks. Keep your perspective that eventually it's going. You may hate it. You may think this is the worst thing in the world, or this may feel awful, but he says, in the, in the whole scheme of things, it is perishing. It is going away. Okay, so back to this idea of, of praying. I understand that that I perhaps will not always understand his will. Okay, I, 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 can, I can live with that. And again, I'll, I'll talk some more about that. But I, I, I can understand that perhaps I can't always know all of his will. But again, w- what happens if I'm praying something that, that I know, or at least I think I know is in God's will, and I don't see that thing happening? Because based essentially on, on what John says, uh, bring it up on the screen, if we know it is God's will, I'm basically paraphrasing verse 14 and 15, if we know it's God's will, then we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we ask for. Isn't that what verse 14 and 15 says? So what's the deal? If I believe I'm praying something that's in his will, and John says, man, if you're praying what's in God's will, you're gonna get it. Now, if you were if you're brought up Pentecostal, you've been taught that the answer is, well, you just didn't have enough faith. 
If you just had more faith, you would have seen that come to pass. And if it didn't come to pass, then that just means that you didn't have enough faith. But that does not seem to be what John says here in verse 15. John does not, he, what John says, in fact, hey, if it's God's will and you ask for it, you're going to get it. And he, and he doesn't seem to put a caveat on it that it has, that it's dependent on your faith, the degree of your faith. The Calvinist, or certainly the hyper-Calvinist, would say, well, it just wasn't God's will. If it, if it wasn't done, then it wasn't God's will. But two weeks ago, if you were here, I showed you multiple places in Scripture where God willed one thing and something else happened. Now, go back and listen to that message if you weren't here, because, lest you think I'm saying that God is not in control. God is in control but you may need to go back and listen to that message. So, how, how are we to understand it? Let me give you an example. And this is on a, on a very personal uh, note. Of our uh, three sons, Cindy and I have two sons that, as far as we know, are not saved. They are not followers of Jesus Christ. They were raised in the church. They grew up in the church. They both made professions of faith, professed Jesus as their Savior at some point in their life. But there is no inclination in their lives today that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no indication. There is no evidence of it. There there appears to be no desire at all uh, for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And remember, pretty much the entire book of 1 John has been screaming at us, I mean, not screaming, but it's been, it's been quite evident to us that if a relationship with God is real, it will be seen. You will see it. Others will see it. You won't be perfect, but it will be there. And if you don't see it, John says, if you don't see it, it's not there. That is the message of 1 John over and over again. And by the way, plenty of other passages of scripture as well. So, so what's, what's the deal? If, if, if we have prayed for our sons since before they were born that they would be saved, if it is God's will that they be saved, is it God's will that they be saved? If it is God's will that they be saved, and we've been praying for them that they would be saved, why aren't they saved? Do you understand? This is, this is where this, this stuff can really hit the road, right? Is it God's will? that they be saved. The Apostle Peter, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, says these words. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So because I believe that Peter's words, Second Peter chapter 3, uh, because I believe his words, not wishing that any should perish, that all is come to repentance, because I believe those words mean exactly what he says they mean, I have to believe that it is his will, therefore, that my son, our sons come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I have to believe that. So, so then the question again becomes, well, why aren't we seeing it? If that's what we're praying for, why aren't we seeing it? Well, one of the things that the Second Peter passage teaches us, and this is part of the answer to our question, is we have to come to the understanding that our timeline may not be God's timeline. 
Okay? We, we, we have to come to the place that we're willing to understand that. Uh, to, to put it into a statement, it would look like this. Just because we haven't seen an answer to a prayer that is in his will doesn't mean there won't be an answer to a prayer that is in his will. Okay? So that, that part of the answer is that God's timeline may not be our timeline. And don't you hate that? Can I tell you all something? I, I just, uh, while I'm thinking, I'll just say this. Can I, can I say this about God's timeline? I have uh, discovered I'm still learning and still struggling and going through all this stuff. But you know what? One of the things I have learned, God's clock is much more accurate than mine is. I'll, I'll just say that and I'll, I'll move on. Our timeline may not necessarily be his timeline. Okay. All right. Timeline. Okay. What could, what could possibly be another reason or or we're praying something we think is in God's will uh, and we don't see it happening. What might could be another reason? Here's what I want to point out to you. Our understanding of God's will may not be God's understanding of his will. Our understanding may not be God's understanding. And I'm just saying, sometimes it is, and hopefully it is, and we discover his, his will and his word and his, his spirit. But I'm just saying that, that when we're approaching things, we're praying about things, make sure that you understand that our understanding may not always be God's understanding. So to go back to my, uh, our sons as an example, because, I, again, I believe that that Second Peter passage means all, that it means not wishing or willing that any should perish, I have to believe that it is his will for J.C. and Todd to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and and everybody else for that matter because all means all and that's all that all means as far as I know. So, So it is God's will for people to be saved. It is God's will for people to be saved, but listen to me, it is not God's will for people to be saved by force or apart from their free will choice. It is God's will that people willingly, that people want to come to him because they recognize their sinfulness, they recognize their need for a relationship with him, they recognize that doing life the way they've tried to do it just just falls into more and more of a mess and they're not getting anywhere with this and they come to the place where they realize that that they are broken inherently broken people and they need this this personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and so they desire to do this of their own free will it is their desire to do it they want to do this they want this thing with the living God that is God's will for people's lives that they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They choose to make this thing. Now listen to me. Don't think that I'm saying to you that it is, that it is not a work of God. In other words, it's not a case where God says, well, I died on the cross for you, so there it is. Take it or leave it. You choose. No. A person doesn't just decide to get saved. I think Scripture is clear about that person doesn't just just say, well, I think I'll get saved today. I think I'll give my life to Jesus Christ today. It doesn't just happen that way. No, it is a work of God. But it is a work of God that draws a person to the place where they willingly surrender their will to his will. It is not his will that people would 
would be saved apart from the free will choice that they would choose to make in this. So when I pray, God save JC, God, God save Todd, God save their wives, save, save my grandchildren. When I pray that kind of prayer, as I have prayed many times in desperation, but when I pray that prayer, I need not expect God to answer that prayer, not because it's not his will for them to be saved, but because it's not his will to save them in that way. It's not his will to save them apart from their will, their desire to surrender to him. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Can't God just, can't God just speak the word and bam, everybody's saved? Of course. He's God. But that's not his will. His will is that people would surrender their will to his will. Which, listen to me. That's then what makes our prayers so critically important. That's why you and I need to pray. It's, it's not uh, uh, just already out there on the cosmos and we're just, we're just riding along, just living out whatever has, has already been decided. That's why it becomes so critical for us to pray. And, the, and to bring it up on the screen, the more we pray the things that are in his will, the more sure we can be that he is working and answering those prayers. So when I pray, Father God, send circumstances into JC's life that would cause him to be so dissatisfied with the things of this world. When I pray, uh, Lord God, send, send workers into the field of Todd's life. Send, send people that would be bold enough and, and burdened enough and care enough to, to speak the truth of God's word with him. Not because he doesn't know it, believe me, he's grown up knowing it, but because it is, it is another opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in, into his life in that moment. When I pray those prayers, I can pray those prayers with full confidence that God hears them and that he is answering. I can pray absolutely believing that God is gonna engineer circumstances in JC's life. God is absolutely gonna send people into Todd's life. God is absolutely gonna bring them to the place that they are miserable in, in this life and in this world. I can pray that because that is his will. It is his will for them to be broken over their sin. Scripture is clear about that. It is his will that they would become dissatisfied with trying to build their lives on the sinking sand of, of, of this world and, and the the. the passing, perishing uh, circumstances of this life. It, it, Jesus was clear about that. It is his will that believers in Jesus Christ would, would be bold enough and care enough to speak to Todd or to JC or to my grandchildren or whatever, and would share with them uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Scripture is clear about that. So it is God's will that men and women would be saved. It is not his will that they would be saved apart from from him drawing them and them responding to that. Okay? You got, does that make sense? That's, that's, that's one example. Let me give you another one. Should I pray, or, or is it God's will that I pray for someone, say, diagnosed with cancer who, or someone involved in an accident? Is it God's will that I, that I pray for someone with, with, a, with an illness? Well, of course it is. Again, Scripture is clear about that. Scripture is clear that we should pray uh, for those who are sick or have, you know, struggles or job loss or whatever those types of of things are. We, We should pray for them. And I think that we can safely say that that some 
that people are healed miraculously in situations from their sickness or the disease. <laughs> Can I get an amen, Brother Fred? <laughs> Fred's sitting there going, if y'all know Fred, you know his struggle that he had and how God just brought a healing in his life. But, right? So I think because we all have seen or know or have heard of someone that has been healed in some way that, would, that could be qualified or defined as a supernatural or miraculous kind of healing. I think we've all known or, or seen somebody like that. But I think we've also all seen or heard and known of someone that we or others prayed for that did not receive a supernatural healing and and be left here on earth. What's the deal? So let's just ask ask the questions. Bring it up on the screen so we can ask the questions. You're asking the question, all right, did God love one person more than another? Did did God love one person more than another? No, I I think that that's not in keeping with the God that we see revealed in Scripture. God is no respecter of persons, His Word says. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, the psalmist said. No, did God love? That's not in keeping with the God that we feel see revealed in Scripture. He doesn't love one person. Well, I I love them. I love them really a lot, so I'm going to heal them. No, I don't know. They that irritates me the way they. Hmm, no. You understand what I'm saying? No. Okay, well then how about this? Did one person have more people praying for them than another and that's why they were healed? Because we hear that, don't we? Maybe, I mean, yeah, we hear that, don't we? Well, praise God. I, I found out there were people, hundreds of people praying for me all over the country and I know God heard those prayers. Praise God for sure. And, and, and I have no doubt that he did hear those prayers. And I praise God for the hundreds of people that, that prayed for me when, when I was in my motorcycle accident. I, I, and so I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm saying, come on. Come on. Do you really think that God sits in heaven counting how many prayers have been lifted up for a particular person or a particular situation before he decides to act on it? Well, that, that, that person's only up to 87 people praying for them, so I'm not going to cure their cancer. Come on. So no, it, 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 it can't be that. So if, if, God, if God seems to heal some but don't... So I don't think we can say... I think we can say God does heal people. I don't think we can say that God heals every person that is prayed for of a particular uh, disease. I don't think we can say... We can't. Because our reality shows us something different, doesn't it? And by the way, what time is it? I gotta, well, I'm not even going to get to all my stuff today. <sighs> by the way, if you pray for someone or even yourself and God does not seemingly respond to that, that prayer for healing and that person uh, that you have prayed for, family member, friend, whatever, is a part of the body of Christ and, and God doesn't respond to that and, 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 they, and they die... They get to wake up in heaven. So I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Who got the better healing? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, y'all know I'm not looking for the next busload heading out. I'll stay here as long as God wants me to stay here. But if we really believe this, you understand what I'm, what I'm saying to you? Okay, all right. So does that mean if God's sometimes going to heal, but he's not, not going to pray, and, and I'm not going to know which one it's going to be, does that mean I shouldn't pray for them? No, no, it's absolutely not. We should pray. What it means is this, that by faith, 
We should pray for the result we want, and by faith we should trust the result that God brings. That's what it means. By faith we pray, God, this, this is what I want to see happen in my life or in this person's life or in this situation. God, this is what I want to see happen. But God, I'll trust you with the result. I'll exercise faith on both ends of it, God. Okay, so back to this issue that, that I said, you know, I think it's pretty obvious, no, but let me bring it back to you. Does God, why one person and not another? If, how does God decide that? Why one person, not why does this person get this? That, why does that person have to struggle with this disease for years? Why does this person miraculously deliver from this? Why does this person uh, got, got their dream job? Why does this person, why one person and not another person? Why? I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I, I don't have a clue. The fact is, I am, I am fallible and I am finite and God is none of those things. What I know is that God is a good-willed God, that he is a loving God, and that by faith I accept the idea that God is always going, that God is always going to do what is best for the greatest number of people in any given situation because his perspective is always eternal and never temporal. And unfortunately, ours is almost always temporal and rarely eternal. So the question becomes then, will you trust God? Here's the question I'm asking you this morning. Will you trust God with the outcome, even if the outcome is not what you wanted? That's what faith is, to pray and say, God, here's what I want, but I'm gonna trust you. And God, I'm not gonna, if it doesn't turn out the way I want, you know I'm gonna struggle. You know I'm probably gonna go into a funk. You probably, maybe I'm gonna get mad. I might even cuss some, God. But God, I'm gonna, through it all, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna walk with you through this every step of the way. Your prayers matter to God. They do for you and for other people. They do matter. He does hear. We may not always understand what his will is, but we can believe that he has a will and we can pray God as Jesus prayed, even in the garden, even knowing what God's will, the Father's will was from the very beginning, to be able to pray, Father, not my will, but your will be done. As Pastor Clay explained today, there may be some mystery in prayer, and there may be some waiting for God's timing, and we certainly need to truly understand what God's will is. But our prayers do matter. God wants us to pray, and He uses our prayers to accomplish His purposes. We may not have all knowledge as God has, but we can trust Him with the outcome as we surrender our will to God's will. One thing we can know for sure, God's intended will is always for our good. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.